0: When we have people at Advantage who come in and they, they have, maybe they have a weight loss challenge, or they're just looking to, to eat healthier, to, to eat better. They're not happy with their diet. The number one thing that we can do is, is look not at how many grams of carbs they're, they're eating, not how many grams of protein, or, you know, we don't need to start measuring meals and even counting, uh, food at that point, but the number one thing that people can improve upon is the quality of their food. Hey, and welcome to episode 22 of the Fit Life Formula podcast. My name is Brian Sippets. I'm the founder and CEO of Advantage Strength in Ann Arbor, Michigan. At Advantage Strength, we help people between the ages of 35 and 65 to live more, play more, and feel stronger than ever before so they can keep doing the things that they wanna do. And be active with their family and friends. Uh, this show, the Fit Life Formula podcast, is for the members of Advantage Strength, but also anybody who's looking to keep a healthy lifestyle, uh, be active, uh, be happy, healthy, energetic—all those things as long as they live. Um, and so, we're going to be sharing not only like fitness-related items, um, fitness and training-related, but also you know, uh, diet. Uh, mental health, lots of, lots of different topics to cover, and it all basically leads towards living a happy, healthy, energetic life. And so today we're going to be talking about something that uh, might surprise you, but there's a lot of food marketing that goes on in the grocery store. That part's not surprising, we know that. But there's a lot of terms out there that can possibly be confusing. And so today I'm going to go through a list of terms that might be confusing or that you may not know if the, the, the legal basis of um, and just go through each, uh, a couple of terms here and and talk about what it means in terms of your food and the food that you're consuming. So specifically today, we're going to be talking about what organic means, um, whole grain, you know, the, the designation of eggs or poultry or beef that is cage-free, uh, free-range Uh, pasture raised, all those things you would see, um, usually in increasing uh, price points at the supermarket. Um, We're also going to talk about words that really don't mean anything. Um, In fact, I'll start this off with a list of of words that, you know, you may buy your food based on this, whether it's consciously or subconsciously. But here's a list of terms that means absolutely nothing. It's not governed. It's not, uh, it's not, Certified by any certain organization. Um, but the list of words that means absolutely nothing is is natural, premium, gourmet, farm fresh, farm to table, healthy, handmade, homemade, artisan, craft, local, lightly sweetened, diet, smart, and a whole bunch of other terms out there that I did not think to put in this uh, this little list that took three minutes to make. But these are all words that have absolutely no government oversight in terms of what, what they actually mean. And I think part of the issue here is that, you know, when you see a word like farm fresh or farm to table um, or, or natural or premium, these are, these are words that are used very specifically to give you an opinion of the food that you are about to buy. So obviously if you're buying, if you see a, uh, two identical products, one says premium on it, there's a good chance that you're going to take that because you see it as better Uh, or gourmet or even uh, artisan or craft. All of these things conjure up images of, you know, maybe something that's homemade, something that's in small batch. There's another one, small batch. There's no, there's no governing level as to what small batch actually is. Um, But you have this idea that a person is making your food um, and it's, and it feels more like home. It feels healthier. um, And It's just marketing. That's all it is. So today we're going to go through some of the words that have some regulation behind it and what actually some of this stuff means, and we'll try to sort some of this out for you so that when you go to the grocery store and you're looking at the food that you want to buy, um, and maybe later on we'll talk about why maybe the grocery store isn't the best place to buy these things, um, you'll know a little bit more and you'll have a, a good background, or at least you'll be able to spot the BS when you see it. Um, So let's get into this. Let's go ahead and start with one that's pretty ubiquitous these days, and I feel like everyone has seen this label, and that is organic. Um, We just need to know a little bit more about what organic actually means and be able to look a little bit more closely at the label to sort of spot the BS when it's there. So organic does refer to a certain set of of standards. It's set by the USDA. Uh, They're fairly strict and, you know, these are guidelines that are, that it's expensive to get, um, you know, that's why coincidentally a lot of organic farmers that you might meet at uh, at the farmers market or, you know, in, in some sort of market setting, most of them are not going to have the organic label, even though they abide by the practices. The reason is the organic label is very expensive to get, um, and but it does allow food producers to, to charge more for the food. So... Um, that's kind of the, the give and take there. But it does refer to a certain set of standards, and it's different for every food. Each food category has uh, slightly different regulations. But on the whole, um, you know generally it means that they're, the foods are non-genetically modified, so non-GMO. Uh, there's no use of chemical pesticides or hormones or antibiotics if it's a, if it's a living, uh, or sorry, if it's a livestock situation. Uh, everything, if it's, if it's eating or, or being fed, it's an all-organic diet. Um, and also, the people producing these, uh, either you know plants and animals, are using sustainable farming practices. So, it is a step in the right direction. Organic is a step in the right direction. Please don't confuse organic with healthy. There are organic Oreos, there's organic cereal in the cereal aisle, Uh, Just make sure that you're not equating organic with healthy. It's just about how it was raised and how this food was produced. Another thing to watch out for on the organic label is uh, a lot of times there you will see um, organic on the label. But when you really look um, like Cliff Bars, for example, use organic soybeans, which I mean, there's there's a million arguments against soy um, and about seven arguments for soy. Uh, as a as a protein source, but regardless, organic would be a generally a, a better option than conventionally produced soy. Um, but when you look at the label, it's like seventy percent, or sorry, it's it's using organic soybeans and the rest is not organically produced. So just know that just because it says organic on the package itself, it's not necessarily one hundred percent organic. Usually, it'll say one hundred percent organic ingredients on the label. Um, but what you might also see most of the time is uh, organic ingredients used. So you kind of have to look closely there just to be able to differentiate that. Another health claim or another food label, I guess, that is governed is the use of whole grain. So the uh, USDA would label whole grain as um, a product that includes all parts of the grain. That means like the, the middle part, the bran, the germ, um, so not only the starchy part, but also the oily uh, outside bran and the germ that go along with it. Now, in terms of grains, a majority of the health benefits are in the, the bran and the germ, which is why when people talk about healthy whole grains, or that, the, that whole grain food or whole grain bread is uh, healthier, it's because it would include Theoretically, it would include the, the germ and the bran, which have like, you know, healthy oils in it and all that kind of stuff. The problem is whole grain is very loosely governed. If, you know, let's say you have a whole grain flour. Here's a quick story about flour, which I'm sure is going to be super interesting. (laughs) I realize that is like the worst story lead in of all time. Here's an interesting story about flour. No, um, but seriously, you know when they when they make bread. Let's think of like Wonder Bread. Wonder Bread actually has several options that are whole grain, but when you look at it, it's white as snow, uh, super soft, and you think to yourself, "There's no way that this is a whole grain bread." The thing is, when you when you process um, flour, when you refine flour or wheat, um, if you send everything through the mill, uh, the the germ. And the bran tend to gum up the works because they're full of oil. Uh, they get sticky. And after a while, it tends to really jam things up. So what they do is they remove the, the uh, germ and the bran and then send just the endosperm, the, the flowery part, the little package of carbohydrate. They send that through because there's no oil or anything associated with that. It's just straight carbohydrate. So they send it through the mill, it gets processed, broken down, pre-chewed, and then when it pops out the other side, they toss some of the bran and the germ back in. Now, there's a couple arguments there. It's, It's kind of one of those, you know, can you make things, if you take something and you break it all the way down, you separate it into its parts and then... Toss the parts back together at the end, the the question is, is it as healthy as it was in the beginning? Um, there's a lot of people that would argue that it is not. Um, there's people that would argue the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So there's an argument right there in terms of, you know, is whole grain the way is whole grain bread as healthy as, you know, eating grains that you cooked that are, that are truly whole grains. Um, I would say no, uh, but you know there's a lot of arguments out there for and against, I know that, but the point of this sh- this episode is just to give you a heads up on, you know, what's out there, what things really mean and hopefully when you look at these labels you can think a little bit more critically about what's actually going on uh, inside that box or inside that carton or inside that packaging. I will say and I I should have I should have led with this today, but when we have people at advantage who come in and they they have maybe they have a weight loss challenge, or they're just looking to to eat healthier, to to eat better, they're not happy with their diet. The number one thing that we can do is is look not at how many grams of carbs they're they're eating, not how many grams of protein, or you know we don't need to start measuring meals and even counting uh, food at that point, but the number one thing that people can improve upon is the quality of their food. And so when we look at these labels, it's really helpful to know what is actually healthy and what is food marketing. So when you look at something like whole grains, it would be easy to assume that that uh, the people who label this food would not steer you wrong. They would uh, have your best interest in mind and and sell you only uh, wholesome. There's another one that means nothing. That wasn't on my list. Man, I should have taken a little longer to put this list together, but they would feed they would want to give you the best possible food. But what happens is they want to sell the most possible food. So um, that's why it can be confusing. So when you see whole grain, it does mean that at some point, some percentage of the grain used in that product, was the whole grain, whether it was, um, introduced as a whole or whether it was broken down and a little bit of the extra stuff was added at the end. Um, you know, if it says whole grain, it's probably only a portion. If it says 100% whole grain, they may have used whole grain for the entire, um, for the entire product. But then again, we go back to the end is, is, uh, breaking something down and processing it to the point where it's unrecognizable as a grain, does that make it healthy? Uh, you know, jury's out, but I think most are going to lean towards no, no, it doesn't leave it as healthy or doesn't create a healthy um, product. Moving on to uh, the, I guess, the, the, the meat section uh, in the supermarket, if you're inclined to meat, uh, which I am. You know, you you can look at beef, you can look at uh, a lot of times chicken will be labeled in a certain way that you get an idea for the quality of that meat, not only by looking at the words on the label, but also by looking at the price tag. A lot of times the products that are either truly held to a higher standard or have clever marketing words that make it appear that they are, are going to be more expensive. Um, But that's why it's good to know these words and what they mean exactly so that you can uh, make informed decisions when you're, when you're buying meat, especially at the supermarket. So in terms of beef, uh, when you're buying beef, there's, there's basically three levels. There's prime, which is the, the top ranked one. There's choice and there's select. And what that is, is all that is, is a rating of fattiness in the meat. So prime is heavily marbled, which you could read as uh, fatty Right has has the the fat that runs through it usually keeps the the meat more tender uh, and more desirable I guess a lot of times restaurants will serve prime uh, choice has less marbling so it could be seen as drier or tougher and the same with the select is the select is even less marbling uh, short story about supermarket meat so when you buy most of the most of the meat at the at the supermarket is conventionally raised. Uh, and that is, in the commercial sense, not conventional like your great great grandparents would have raised meat. So the, the conventional, usually the animals come from concentrated feed. What is it? C A F O. Concentrated animal feed operations, um, and these are the horror stories you hear. This is, you know, what is what is put out there when when there's arguments against conventional meat production and the, the damage it's doing to the environment, the damage it's doing to our health. Um, but basically these are grain fed animals fattened up as fast as possible, uh, to get them to market so that they can charge money for them. Um, that is its own argument where I won't get too much into the, the KFO thing, but it's a bad, it's bad news. And, um, you know, I I personally choose to avoid it as much as possible, uh, mostly for my health, but also for moral reasons as well. And there's a lot of people that will avoid meat altogether. So I'm not here to uh, comment either way on that. I am not afraid to share my opinion, but I also feel have no strong feelings towards uh, other positions on that. But I do want to make sure that I'm I'm filling you guys in on this labeling thing, so that so that you can make the best decisions possible. Um, There are a couple of other terms you should know for beef, and uh, this is beef in particular. You'll see grass-fed and grass-finished. Those are two two labels, and what it is, uh, those are governed labels. Those are things, certain things have to be in order for something to be called grass-fed or for beef to be called grass-fed and grass-finished. Grass-fed means that at some point in their life, and I couldn't find what percentage of of the cow's life they had to be grass fed, but they're fed grass and only grass. So this is the cow munching on grass in the pasture. Although it's usually not a pasture, it's usually, um, you know, fed they're fed hay or alfalfa or whatever it is, um, and they may spend time a lot of time on a muddy lot. So even though it's it's labeled grass fed, just know that the actual regulation there is that they are fed grass for a certain portion of their life and then sometimes and sometimes not it really depends on the operation or the the farm or um, whatever the producers choose to do they are or are not fed grain at the end of their life to quickly fatten them up and send them to market because we as we've learned to sort of prize them the, the well marbled cuts of meat they're they are um, juicier they're you know more tender and so the a lot of even grass-fed beef will be fed, um, will be finished with grain so that it gives them that extra bit of fat. It also, um, you know, and this goes back to the CAFO argument, when animals are grain fed, especially animals that are supposed to be grass eaters, like uh, ruminant animals, like uh, sheep and cows, when they're fed grain, they get fat really fast. Um, The problem is it's a kind of fat, like we're supposed to be, we as people are supposed to be one-to-one uh, omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acids. The problem is when you have a grain-fed animal, or sorry, a grain-fed animal, grain-fed animals are, are extremely high, almost two-to-one in omega-6 fatty acids. And so when we consume that meat, we're consuming meat that's high in omega-6 fatty acids, and we ourselves become... Uh, high in omega-6 fatty acids, when really we want that balance of one-to-one omega-3s to omega-6s. But when uh, animals eat their proper diet, they're closer to a one-to-one ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. And so for us, uh, for our own health, it's better for us to eat uh, meats that are grass-fed, or at least fed the, the diet that they're supposed to eat. So let's compare that to grass finished beef. Grass finished beef is beef that has only eaten grass its entire life. Um, I don't believe that this has any bearing on where they ate the grass, how they ate the grass, uh, what environment they're in when they ate the grass, but we do know that, that that is governed. When beef is grass finished, it means that they've eaten only grass their entire life. So this is a true grass eating animal. Um, and so it's really kind of up to you. And this is the benefit of sort of knowing where your meat comes from is that you can have a conversation and ask what, uh, how your, how your meat was raised, um, if it's of interest to you. But in terms of pure health reasons, um, grass finished would be number one, uh, grass fed would be number two, because at least you're getting some of their life as grass fed. And then, uh, maybe additionally, that's the confusing part, maybe additionally, finished with grain, maybe not. Okay, so those are a couple things to look at in terms of of beef. And um, moving on to eggs, you know, in the egg section, you've got probably 15 different choices of of different brands, different uh, practices, different, I guess, uh, standards of eggs. And so usually the ones at the bottom, the one that you get for, I don't know, $1.19 for 18 eggs, those are usually caged uh eggs which i haven't you know i haven't even considered in probably 10 years um once you know more about it it's a pretty uh gross situation um but when you start looking up a little bit at at sort of the higher the higher shelves you'll notice that there's a couple of different labels there's organic of course which we already talked about those are hens that are raised in in certain um Certain conditions; it doesn't mean that they are they are fed their ideal diet. Uh, It means that they're probably fed organic grains. But uh, chickens are omnivorous. Chickens eat eat, are supposed to peck and eat everything: bugs, uh, worms, some grains, grasses, all that. So, organic again doesn't necessarily mean healthy. There, Um, there's cage free, there's free range, and you'll also see pasture raised. So, cage free just means. That these are hens that are not in a cage, but if you've ever seen pictures or videos of uh, the conditions that uh, cage-free birds are raised in, it'll make you it'll turn you off really quickly. Basically, these are birds that have never been outside. Um, They rarely stand up, uh, and it's and it's uh, just think of uh, yourself in a very crowded elevator, uh, and it's hens that live like that, and so cage-free may not be as as great as it sounds. Now there's also the term free range, which is regulated by the USDA. Uh, both cage-free and free-range are regulated by the USDA. Basically a cage-free hen is, sorry, basically a, a free-range hen. You, you would, might picture like they're roaming out on the prairie, pecking at bugs and grubs and all that kind of stuff. Really all free-range is, is a cage-free hen. So they, they're inside a majority of their life but they have a few small doors where there's access to the outside. And a lot of times that outside is, you know, a screened in porch or a a screened in cement slab where they could go out. So there's not necessarily a difference between a cage-free egg and a free range egg, which is kind of shocking because there's a big price difference between the two. Um, So again, this is where it comes in handy to know your, your producer Um, and just maybe do a little bit more research on the brands that you buy. The last one is is pasture raised, which is not governed by the USDA. This is not a term. There's no certain set of standards that has to be in place to make an egg or a a bird or an animal, really, uh, any, any livestock, a pasture raised. There's nothing that governs that. But there's a nonprofit called Humane Farm Animal Care, which has a certified humane stamp. Um, and basically they they inspect, um, these operations, these, these, uh, livestock operations. And there's a list of, you know, I looked into the manual for each different animal, uh, chickens, pork, cows, goats, um, all of these, there's a 40 page manual for each one in terms of what, you know, their, their health has to be, what their environment has to be, what their feed has to be. Um, and so, In order to get the certified humane label, uh, places that are going to advertise pasture-raised eggs, each hen has to have 108 square feet of outdoor space per bird. All right, so that's every every hen has to have 108 square feet um, with barn cover when needed, uh, so shelter. Um, So that's a pretty strict standard. Although it is it is a nonprofit, it's not government mandated. So just keep an eye on that as you as you're looking at. the eggs that you wanna purchase. Um, also, if you've ever kind of had a pasture-raised egg or an egg from the farmer's market that came from like someone's house, and you compare that to, you know, you crack one of those into a pan and crack a even a cage-free egg in a pan, and you'll notice a big difference between the color of the yolks. A lot of times the more, uh, the hen that lived the life that she wanted to live has a much darker yolk. It's, it's nice, deep yellow or orange. Um, And then you look at the cage-free egg, and a lot of times it's just kind of anemic and and gross-looking. So there is a big difference there it might be worth looking into. On the whole, um, pasture-raised or free-range eggs could potentially be healthier, but it really depends on the producer. Finally, we're going to wrap up with uh, no sugar added, sugar-free, no sugar, and reduced sugar. So these are things that you'll see highlighted on a lot of packages. What you might want to watch out for, again, no sugar added doesn't necessarily mean that these are healthy items. It just means that, um, and it makes sense when you think about it logically, it just means that whatever product is in there, they haven't added actual sugar to that. That doesn't rule out artificial sweeteners. It doesn't rule out that it is a low sugar item in the first place. Um, so if you're looking to cut back on sugar, don't assume that no sugar added is a safe label for you. Uh, same with sugar-free. Sugar-free just uh, just means that maybe the product doesn't have actual sucrose, sugar in it, but it might mean that there are other artificial sweeteners in that, and typically that's the case. You'll see a lot of artificial sweeteners in something that says no sugar, uh, or sugar-free, I'm sorry. Same with no sugar. Um, or reduced sugar. Reduced sugar just means this thing has maybe fifty percent of the sugar. Let's think of like a fruit juice that, that that's not true, like squeezed fruit juice, fruit juice that comes from concentrate or that you know is not refrigerated, all that kind of stuff. It might mean that you know the reduced sugar cranberry juice might just be that uh, they didn't add as much sugar to the cranberry juice, but they add other artificial sweeteners to make up for that. So. Um, a lot of times, it just means looking at the labels for this stuff. It means looking at the labels and making a more informed decision than thinking more logically about what this stuff actually means. Because a lot of times, there's uh, there's a lot of food marketing involved. And if you ever want to read a book on this, um, there's a book called Mindless Eating by Brian Wansink that is, you know, pretty enlightening in terms of food marketing and and how all that is done. The moral of the story here is. Um, I think if you are, if food is being marketed to you, there's a good chance that there's going to be terms like this that, that are there to sell more food. Um, you know, terms like natural or premium or gourmet, gourmet or farm fresh, uh, those are going to be there to give you the opinion of quality of this food. If you know the the person where your food comes from, so if you're shopping at a farmer farmers market, or if you're doing something like, um, there's an organization called Michigan Farm to Family, where you know they bring in it's a co-op of local producers of you know a lot of produce, a lot of livestock, uh, beef, poultry, uh, pork, lots of lots of different options there. And they've kind of uh, gone through and inspected all of these places, and they make it easy to buy. So that's Michigan Farm to Family. You can pick it up on Fridays. You know, um, it's a really awesome organization and a good way to get really reputable food. And it's not insanely expensive. It's not crazy expensive. Um, and so, you know, if you're shopping where the farmers are, like I said before, there's a good chance that farmers are using organic practices because it is sustainable. And any farmer who does not use sustainable practices is usually gone in a little while, right? So, um, when you know your producer, you can, you can ask questions, you can find out more about where your food comes from. Um, and the, I, there is a lot of truth in that if your food was raised the way, if your food was raised the happy and the way it was supposed to be raised in a sustainable way, there's a good chance that that's going to pass on to you. So, um, that's the stance there. The, you know, that's my personal opinion and, and the way I approach food, you know, take, take it or leave it. But the other stuff in here talking about organic and whole grain and, and what the actual regulations mean is, is truth. There's, there's truth, there's facts, there's documents to back all this up. So, uh, make the decision, the, the decision that's correct for you. Um, it may not be, you know, the same as everyone else or different levels of of standards and that kind of stuff. But that is your decision. But I just wanted to share with you some of this information so that you can make the best decision for you. So that's all we got for today. Thank you so much for for taking time here. That got a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Um, But hopefully there was some interesting stuff there. Until next time, be sure to follow the Fit Life formula. That's three days a week of something you love, two days a week of strength training and one workout that just sucks. We'll talk to you next time.